Welcome to the Mile High Flake Show, where a Jets fan and a Broncos fan get together to talk about the NFL and other sports. I'm your host, Ryan Marinholtz, alongside Enrique Cisneros, and let's get into this. We've got a ton to talk about today, uh, you know, going through some NFL news as always, and then right before the draft here last week, uh, we're going to go through a full uh, first round mock draft, and then we're going to catch up on the playoffs a little bit. And how are you feeling today, Enrique? I'm doing good, Ryan. How are you? I'm doing great, man. You ready to talk about all the sports stuff? Absolutely, as always. Heck yeah, man. So we can go ahead and start off with some news here. Uh, Debo Samuel, probably the biggest story of the week. Everybody's been talking about it. Debo Samuel requesting a trade from the 49ers. Apparently he's unhappy uh, with how he's been used more as a running back, uh, more than a receiver lately. And obviously that creates some uh, concerns as far as longevity of his career and uh, being a running back, you face a lot more potential for injury and just a lot more physicality in the game. And it's something that I wanted to talk to you about because I found it interesting with Debo is like that combination of being able to be a high level receiver and a high level running back is kind of what makes Debo Debo. Um, but it sounds like he doesn't want to not necessarily not that he doesn't want to do any running at all, but he just doesn't want to have like high usage at it. Um, and so I, I find just, I find the whole situation in, uh, interesting, but um, that has, you know, made him want to leave uh, the 49ers. And uh, there's a few teams that are currently pursuing him among those is the Detroit lions, the Kansas city chiefs, green Bay Packers, and then your New York jets. And that's part of what I wanted to ask you about, Enrique, how you feel about all this with Debo and the potential of him being uh, becoming a New York Jet. Uh, well, first and foremost, I was super shocked to hear that he requested a trade. And ultimately, I don't know if he um, actually gets dealt or not. I don't know if maybe this is something that they can just figure out in-house in regards to maybe, you know, him and Kyle just having a conversation in regards to maybe not – being used that much as a running back yeah uh, I don't blame him though I mean and there is truth to that is what Debo's kind of known for right now and, and he really broke out with it especially this last year um, you know he was just super versatile and that's 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 the thing that pops out when you watch tape from the 49ers last year is just how they were able to use him in different packages and he was just all over the field he was just always getting the ball and he was a big factor in their playoff games. Like he was a big factor in, you know, like a lot of big crucial games. Um, I remember when they played the Rams right before the playoffs, um, Devo Samuel was the difference maker in that game. So it's one of those things that you definitely wonder, like, and I don't blame him, you know, cause this is your career. This is your narrative. You know, this is how you stop this right now. If you don't want to be a running back, you got to do this, you know? And, yeah. That's exactly what he decided to do. Now, let me tell you this. Um, yeah, if he becomes a Jet, it's it's over, Ryan. Like, Dude, for real, it's though. over. Jets, Jets Super Bowl 20, 2022, 2023 season. Like, um, you guys, <laughs> if I'm telling you right now, if Devo Samuel becomes a Jet, there's no way they'll ever shut up about it. There's Dude. no way that I'll, I'll ever, ever shut up about it because and I couldn't blame if Tyreek Hill, yeah, like if Tyreek Hill randomly became a Jet, I'd probably talk about it for a little bit. I'd be pretty excited. 
But Devo Samuel, you can get behind a thousand percent. You know, yeah. he's just a baller. He's an absolute stud of a receiver. Um, and then, yeah, I think he would be more open to a role of like occasionally doing that or even being more of a like a fake out artist, especially with since we have Elijah Moore on the offense as well. You know, that's a, a shifty guy. We have uh, Braxton Berrios, who's a shifty guy as well. We just brought him back on a two year deal. So it's one of those things that, you know, we have. Uh, and then Corey Davis on the outside as well, who, um, you know, plays uh, alongside another wide receiver really, really well. Um, and, yeah, I, I think that Debo Samuel could be used in a million different ways on that Jets offense. And now we got tight ends. Oh, man. Like, just don't even – I'm saying, like, don't even – that's why I was really excited to come on the podcast uh, today was because I knew we were going to talk about Debo and the Jets and it just – the thought of it. Like, literally everybody was tagging me. And, um, I mean, like, you send it to me. Um, like, just just everybody sends it to me. Uh, it, it was It was crazy. Like – everyone knew right away that the possible addition of Debo Samuel to the Jets would would uh, just get me going. And, yeah, especially with how aggressive the Jets have been with openly saying that they're in the market to trade for a big receiver. Um, you know, you kind of hear heard these A.J. Brown rumors. And then A.J. Brown, like, I was like, yo, he's taking stuff out of his Twitter account. Like, he's kind of upset. Like, I don't know what's going to happen. And then randomly, uh, I saw, I think it was on, like, Instagram or Facebook, that Devo Samuel's brother had said something about them requesting a trade. And I was like, no, nah, that's just, like, random bullshit. And then, like, a day later, I get tagged in a post. And I'm like, damn, son, Devo Samuel's brother leaked that shit. He didn't give a fuck. But, <laughs> um, yeah, dude, 19 in green and white. I'm telling you, I'm buying. I'm the first one buying the jersey. Um like, um, I'm down for that Zach Wilson, Debo Samuel connection all day. I don't know if it's going to happen, though. I don't know if it's going to happen. If it happens, it'll happen, like, I mean, it's a week before the draft, you know? So, it might happen draft yeah. day. Jets just get extra spicy and just trade the 10 pick to the 49ers for Debo Samuel. Yeah. Yeah, no. And, I mean, it's 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 possible. Like you said, I don't know if it'll happen. I don't know if he even makes it out of the 49ers. So often you hear about um, players having grievances nowadays and uh, it'll just get handled in-house and they, they end up staying. But um, Right. I, like if you're Kyle Shanahan, you fix this, right? You would have to think so. I mean, at least do everything you can. I've heard, you know, rumors that Kyle Shanahan's got an ego and it, it could be a, kind of a situation where it's like his way or the highway. And that's why it's escalated to this point in the first place. But I mean, just from business sense, you would think that Kyle Shanahan would say like, okay, let's, you know, if he just really wants to leave over this particular one fold in my offense, let's pull it back a little bit. We can find other ways to use them. Cause they're like you said in the jets office, even if for any team, even if you're not using him, as a runner, like as much as the 49ers have been lately, there's so many different ways he can be used as a weapon that, I mean, there's just no reason to not, you know, give into what he's asking for. I mean, and, and it's kind of, you know, it, it's interesting, like I brought up before, because it's the fact that he can play both positions so well as part of what makes him as big of a star as he is. But 
I mean, he's talented regardless. And as long as he's being used in uh, a proper scheme, that's going to, you know, play to his strengths and what he wants to be played at. I mean, he's talented enough that he's going to have the star production either way. Uh, Can I, can I just, can I just, can I just bring something up real quick? Just, you can just a little note. Um, Mike LaFleur was the passing game coordinator and wide receivers coach for the 49ers from 2017 to 2018. He was the passing game coordinator from 2019 to 2020. And now he's just the Jets offensive coordinator. Mm. I'm just saying, dude, Robert Sala, like Michael Floor. It's looking pretty enticing. And those are that's I times mean, in because my understanding have, is like he was okay with the way his usage was in previous years, but especially in the last couple when Michael, of years when, is when it's when become proper. Exactly. When Mike LaFleur was his offensive coordinator, he was okay with how he's being used. Yep. Michael LaFleur is the offensive coordinator for the Jets. The Jets yep. have the money. We were gonna we were gonna pay Tyreek Hill, son. We can pay yeah, you, man. son. We they, can pay well, you. That's the thing is you guys of of the uh, teams that were uh, uh, that I talked about earlier that came out from Ian Rappaport, uh, which is the Lions, the Chiefs, the Packers and the Jets really. I mean, I would have to double check the Lions um, draft capital. They they might have a little bit of money. The Lions might have a little bit. Yeah, I I was going to say like like the uh, Chiefs and the Packers. Packers are still hurting for money relatively. Uh, they did lose Devontae and they got some picks back. So they probably have like trade ammo, but they would have to squeeze his contract in there. And then it becomes a thing where it's like, why didn't you just pay Devontae in the first place? But uh, you know, that's a whole different conversation, but the lions and the jets, I think both have the ammo. No way he wants to go to, no way he wants to go to Detroit though. Exactly. Exactly. That's where I'm kind of going with this. Like you got to look at the quarterback options as well. You know what I mean? You know what Jared Goff is. Yeah. We don't know what Zach Wilson is. Yeah. And no, I I totally agree. Well, and you know, the lions are potentially going to use one of their two first round picks to get a quarterback in this draft potentially. Um, And so if they have to trade away those picks to go get Devo, then you are going to be stuck with Jared Goff. Whereas with the Jets, you for sure have your quarterback in place. He's a young guy with upside, and he is still developing, you know what I mean? Whereas Jared Goff, you know what he is, and it's Detroit. There's less supporting cast. But, you know, between those two teams, I think those are the teams that have the money to pay Debo what he wants to be paid and the capital to go get him. But with like you were saying with the coaches – uh, from the 49ers and Robert Sala and then uh, Mike LaFleur Mike um, being in New York now, as well as just a better supporting cast, a better quarterback. Uh, I don't see why you wouldn't want to go to the Jets. And I, I, to be honest with you, like, I don't know um, with Debo, because like with some of these situations where these guys have wanted out, the reason why they got to choose where to go was strictly because they had a no trade clause, which means that the team can't trade them wherever the team wants. They have to right. clear it with the player first. And I don't think that Debo is in that situation because it, I, unless I'm incorrect, I believe he's still on his rookie contract. Um, yeah. I so I, I think this is his first contract. 
I think he okay. came out in the 2017 draft. I believe you're right. Yeah, I really don't think he's – I mean, it's, it'd be crazy if he was on a second contract. But, um, yeah, so I it might be a situation where the 49ers just trade him to whoever's going to give the highest uh, trade package, and in which case I think his preferences do that, don't though. matter. But what's that? Right. I, I was just going to say, I think the Jets can um, – I mean – just give him what we're going to give for Tyreek Hill, essentially, right? Like, yeah, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, we were gonna we were gonna give him, I think, our second and our third round pick, um, and like a conditional fifth or some shit. Like, yo, give him that. I'm even okay with ten, dude. Like, you can give him ten if you wanted to. Don't give him four. You can give him ten. I'm okay with ten. Yeah, I I think you guys would for sure have to give up a one, whether that's a future one or ten this year. That would be even um, better. Yeah, right. I would even I. I I would I would love next year even better because then can we get Debo Samuel? Can we draft Drake London at ten, and then also have Corey Davis and Elijah Moore? Stop, Ryan. Stop right now. Yeah. Poof, stop. Be absurd. Plus those tight stop. ends. Like stop. You yeah. have to win the Super Bowl for the next five years. Stop. <laughs> yeah. Stop. Stop. No, it's it, for sure. It's it's uh. There's a lot of intriguing things to talk about with that. And I, I in my opinion, I think his best uh, place is with the Jets. But uh, I'm also a little bit biased with that because I don't like the Packers. And as a Broncos fan, I especially don't like the Chiefs. And I think that he would be a great addition to either of those teams. No um, way. No way the 49ers send him to the uh, Packers. No way the 49ers could. send him to – there's no way. They meet they him every year pretty much in the championship game. Yeah, that, no, way, that would... no, no, no way they were going to do that. Debo pretty much beat the Packers. Right. Like, so, yeah, that, that, yeah, that, that would that really shock me. I mean, I, I tend to believe Ian Rappaport with stuff. And I mean, but it, that would amaze me if they actually sent Let him me... to the, the Packers. Well, and I, that's honestly another good point to bring up as far as uh, for the 49ers' sake. Generally, when you're trading away a player that is heralded as a star or a superstar in the league most of the time those trades end up happening in the opposite uh conference because they don't want to have to put uh, face that player that they just traded away so right. the lions and the packers of those four teams that ian rapaport mentioned are both in the nfc with the 49ers whereas the chiefs and the jets are in the afc which in my opinion makes them more likely let me exactly um i just I think if this happens, I think it's the Jets or bust. If it's not the Jets, Ryan, then then nowhere. I, I yeah. I mean, honestly, where else would you want to go? We can like when you look at the checklist of what Debo would want, what the 49ers would want. We we hit those boom 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 out of the park yep. every single time. I agree. So it's just, I mean, even if you don't know football. And you just kind of know, like, basic common sense. I think we can all agree. But just like always, it's probably not going to happen because it is because it's the Jets. Like, that's why it's not going to happen. Because it makes it's the Jets curse. It's the Jets curse. That's what it is. Like, we, uh, yeah, we can't have anything nice. But I am definitely keeping my, you know, my fingers crossed for Debo because I mean I'm telling you I'm, I'm gonna lose my mind. I'm gonna get all three colorways of the jersey. Um, yes, sir. 
like it's i'm gonna get like the uh what are they called the fat heads like oh, like big sticker giant yeah the just giant debo samuel like it's yeah i'm gonna go off like it's crazy just because i like i like him so much as a player and you know he already knows robert sala he knows michael floor it's just it just makes too much damn sense it just makes too I, much damn sense i'm right there with you i i totally think that's the best place for him i hope that's where he ends up going i'm surprised that this is even a thing but uh it's Very i mean as it's kind of come right? Yeah, but I mean, as it's come out, it's it's apparently been a thing that's been boiling for a while and they've been aware of it. Um, and something, I mean, you never hear all the facts, but something seems to, I don't know if there were words said or if he's just, he just wants to go somewhere else or what it is, but um, he seems very intent on specifically just not wanting to go, to go back to the 49ers. Like he's just ruled it out. And he's like, I want to leave. Like, Yeah, so, almost almost very like randomly Deshaun Watson-esque, you know, where it just yeah came out of nowhere where it was like, nah, we out. Well, and it's, you and, know, at least with the Texans, you can uh, understand that because the Texans are the Texans, unfortunately. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, no. yeah that's no, true. But, the 49ers are like a story franchise. Yeah, no, and they're ex- successful like recently too because the yeah, Texans exactly. are, I mean, from Deshaun, like for that specific comparison where Deshaun's carrying a, a weaker team as the star quarterback and then Debo is, he's successful on a successful team that has upside, has a young, talented quarterback that's about to start. Like there's a lot of reasons to want to be in the 49ers and something is making him not want to be there anymore. Um, and I mean, you know, as our understanding is just with that position, he just really doesn't like how he's being used, but you have to think that there's more to it than just that for him to be that, uh, set on not coming back. I don't know, dude, he did get hurt a couple of times this last year. Like, Um, you know, he was banged up, got pulled out of, uh, the game sometimes had to, you know, be off the field a little bit, like. Maybe that's the last straw. And it's like, I, you know, clearly this is resulting in more injury for me and I don't want to be here anymore. I could see that. That, and I think he's uh, also saying these other wide receivers get the bag. And also, let me just say this. um, There might be something in regards to contract negotiations as well that they're trying to pay him like a running back instead of a wide receiver. You know what I mean? Because (laughs) that'd be crazy. uh, 75% 75% of the time you're being used in run packages or yeah. Like I'm telling you, dude, I bet you it could be something like that too, where he's just trying to set himself up. I mean, ultimately like whatever Devo's uh, reasons for amen, brother, like yeah, get your bag get to the jets. Yep. Like let's, let's, let's make us both happy. Like I'll pay you whatever you want. Just come on over. Like, you know, you guys go to New York, like no one, if you're going to trade San Francisco, a uh, beautiful city on the West coast, where else would you want to go on the East Coast besides New York? Like, right. You're trying to go to Detroit. Really trying to go to Detroit. No one's trying to go to Detroit. Detroit's not even trying to go to Detroit. <laughs> like, it's true. It's true. Yeah. Um, no, yeah. It, it's, it's a very interesting situation, and we'll have to keep our eye on it for sure. But, yeah, my fingers are crossed for the New York Jets. I'm not going to lie. Um, for sure. So we can go ahead and move on to our second news story here this week. 
another pretty big one, Cleveland Browns signing Denzel Ward to a five-year, $100.5 million contract. And that 0.5 in there uh, is just 0.5 more than Jalen Ramsey signed with the Rams, uh, which will make new uh, Ward the new highest paid cornerback in the league. Uh, and uh, it just made me chuckle because it's we talked about this a few episodes ago where um, with uh, Tyreek Hill and Devontae Adams, where Tyreek just wanted to be paid barely more than Devontae Adams just to have his name above him on the list. Uh, the same thing happens here with Ward, but glad to see him get his bag. Very well-deserved, super good young corner. Uh, and then I, I'm glad that the Browns were able to give him his money after signing Deshaun to such a large contract as well. Yeah, it, it um, Denzel Ward definitely definitely deserves a bag. So congratulations to him. Especially, I think this is the like this is like most money given to a corner period ever, like ever, so. ever, ever in NFL history. Yeah, this is a lot of money. Um, and the Browns are just dropping money, man. Like, yeah, that's uh, how much is guaranteed in the Denzel Ward contract? I'm sorry. Uh, I don't have the guarantees on me right now. Uh, okay, no worries. Because I would imagine that's got to be like close to, let's say, because what, it's like a $100 million deal. So let's yeah. say even 60 of it's guaranteed. Like Deshaun has what, like 180 guaranteed? What's Deshaun uh, guaranteed? Is it two two something? I know, I know Deshaun just had a dumb amount of money guaranteed it's, yeah it's just absurd so i did pull up denzel wards his is 71 million guaranteed so just under three quarters of that guaranteed right that's, just, that's oh, good, good god i mean like i said he deserves it but wow and see that watson here oh fully guaranteed 230 million dollars fully guaranteed Oh yeah, dude. The Browns dropped three hundred mil on two players. Don't Good ever, God. Don't ever at the Browns front office. Don't ever do it. Just don't ever add them on Twitter. You're don't right. ever get in their DMs try to talk shit because they're just gonna ball out, dude. They don't even yeah, care. Man. They and then even more so, they got my boy Baker sitting on the bench, like. I know. Can you imagine? Because I just saw they're talking about um, Deshaun and potentially having a um, suspension Suspension. at the beginning of the yeah at the beginning of the season. Jacoby Brissett is the uh, current backup behind Baker Mayfield, but we could literally see if he doesn't get traded for, we could literally see Baker Mayfield have to be trotted out there as the backup starter until Deshaun Watson gets back from his uh, freaking suspension. Like, that's just so sad to me for Baker Mayfield. It's like all he did for that franchise, and then he's a placeholder for four games or whatever. Right. Well, and let me say this. Whenever, whenever whatever happens, I, I keep hearing Pittsburgh, if I'm being honest with you, which I, I don't it. give a fuck about him. Like, if Baker goes to Pittsburgh, I'm buying that jersey. Like, that's yeah. a clean-ass jersey, dude. That's a clean-ass, like, re- reinventive story. Because Pittsburgh's, like, a hard-working city, a blue, real blue-collar. Like, literally the fucking team names named after, like, steel workers, like the Steelers. Like, yeah. um, 
So yeah, like, and Baker, I don't know, dude, just, I, it's, you know what it is? I associate hard work with Cleveland. That's what it is. I associate hard work with Cleveland because for whatever reason, like, I don't know if like God just hates Cleveland or what it is, but they cannot get anything good, whether it's sports, weather, anything. So yeah, I don't know. I just associate the, the, uh, city of Cleveland with hard work and Baker Mayfield just be out there trying to grind it out, dude. Like he's got a great attitude. He's got the swag and the confidence. Like, yeah, to see him go to another hardworking city in the same division, even like, yo, sign me up for the drama because you want to know my favorite Baker Mayfield moment ever, Ryan. What's up? It's, it's when uh, he's at OU dude. And he's like grabbing his balls, like screaming oh. at the sidelines. Like, yeah. dude, that's, that's my favorite Baker Mayfield moment. Give me that Sunday night football, Brown Steelers, Baker starting for the Steelers. Oh god. Give me give, give me that give me that Baker again. Like yeah. dude, I'd pay I'd pay anything to see it. I'd pay anything yeah. to see that. Oh, that's so good, dude. I love that. I love that storyline. Please make it happen. Please make it happen. No, I'm with you. And I do totally see the appeal there. And I, I agree with the uh, hardworking comparison too. And you think about Baker Mayfield as a uh, walk-on who eventually then became a Heisman winner. Like, so that's the perfect story for not only Cleveland, but then, uh, like you said, Pittsburgh kind of shares that same uh, hardworking blue collar mentality. So I think he would be a good fit there. Um, you know, it depends on how, how that all plays out. I still, I still think Seattle, man. Like, I still think that's the best spot for him. Unless the Panthers don't draft a quarterback, then I could Robbie see the no. Panthers. Robbie said no. Robbie, Ander- Robbie Anderson. Oh, right. Uh, oh, I forgot about that. He was like, no, yeah. on Twitter or whatever, yeah. or on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, me it does. He's, he's honest, which is kind of funny to me because, I mean – I, I was a Sam Darnold supporter, but you're saying that as somebody who had Sam Darnold throwing to them last year? Well, he's Robbie's had Sam his whole career. He had well, Sam that's true. And, and <laughs> that's true. Robbie and Sam came over from the Jets. So, like, don't get me wrong. That's your boy. I'm not saying that's not your boy. Um, and, like, in the, in the circumstance, I think Sam Darnold could be a good quarterback. I'm looking at my Sam Darnold jersey right now, literally. I have yeah. the white Jets. Sam Darnold jersey, like yeah. Um, but I always get a Jets first round quarterback. I always get a Jets first round quarterback. Always. Got yeah. Sanchez, well, like, gotta get them all. Yeah. No, and and we've talked about this too. Is it's like Sam Darnold. I really, really thought had good potential, but it just did not work out with his career trajectory. And like, he is struggle bossing the last couple of years and seemingly only getting worse, but I, I hope the best for him. I, I would be genuinely surprised to see him actually start next year with the Panthers. Um, but I still think that like another team will take a chance on him for sure. I think he, I think the Panthers draft somebody and obviously we'll get into that in just a second. Um, I think the Panthers will draft somebody and I think that they probably, um, have some sort of competition between the two, and whoever yeah. looks the best training camp gets to go. Yeah, because that's probably the right way to do it. You know. Yeah, most likely. 
Uh, and it, it kind of depends on what quarterback you're taking too. If you take somebody at the very top of the first round that could have potential to start, or if you draft with the intention of uh, developing and don't want your, your young guy to start. But in that case, I mean, if I'm being completely honest with it, I'd have to look at how much they're paying Sam Darnold, but there's quite a few other quarterbacks that I would rather have in a room as like a mentor. You know what I mean? The Sam Darnold hate continues on the show. Poor Sam yeah. Darnold. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not even it's not even like we're trying to truly dog on him, but it's you're not wrong, dude. Like, yeah, can I get like a, a Ryan Fitz? Can I get like right. um, Josh McCown still yeah, floating around there? Like give me well, I got Joe Flacco and that that was an elite yeah. quarterback that won a Super Bowl. So yeah. Zach likes yeah. Joe a lot, so I can't complain. Yeah, well, and Joe's been good to Zach too. It, it's I, I'm this is totally off topic, but it's kind of a cool uh, little footnote to see because when uh, Flacco was here in Denver, it was the year that we drafted Drew Locke, and uh, Joe was still like he had just left the Ravens, and so he was still kind of trying to like save the rest of his career, um, and it was before he kind of like accepted that he was a backup and accepted uh, a role as like uh supportive, you know what I mean? To another player. And so he right. was just straight up like, or I think the quote was like, it's not my job to uh mentor Drew Locke. Like, so he wasn't just, he just saw, it seems like with Zach Wilson now a couple years on and as he's kind of realized like, okay, it's over for me as a starting quarterback, but I have value as a, savvy vet and a mentor to these young guys and he seems to have really hit it off with uh zach wilson it's it, i'm glad to see that for sure uh because it's it's one of those things where like he did uh have a lot of potential to be a good mentor because he is a smart guy and he's never been like elite so he's one of those guys that's had to kind of like um like almost work. play chess yeah like work and play chess to win as opposed to just winning by virtue of being really freaking good like pat mahomes almost you know what i mean yeah um, or having like physical traits like lamar jackson exactly exactly i mean like you know the only thing you can say with joe flacco like that is he has a big arm but that doesn't make a quarterback um so yeah it's just been cool to see him uh, have that role and like very acceptingly and willingly have that role um, with Zach. And then he even came back too. Cause didn't he uh, leave the jets somewhere yeah, somehow yeah. and then just came back this off season. Yeah. Yeah. He was, um, well, he, he only had a one year deal last year and oh. um, the, the jets just resigned him. So yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. For some reason I thought he had like made a stop somewhere else and then came back. But yeah, I, I'm glad to see him, uh, you know, take that role willingly, and I think that's going to be really good for for Zach's development for sure. Absolutely. Oh, also, yeah, we uh, we jumped off of him for sure. But yeah, shout out to Denzel Ward for getting that, oh, yeah. that bag. <laughs> oh yeah, that's what uh, we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, and then you know what happened because we started talking about the Browns and how they just be throwing out money left and right. Yeah. Which shout out to the Browns, they really are making a contending team. Um, once I'm yeah. able to root for the Browns, I'm going to definitely root for the Browns. I just right. need to know if I'm going to be able to root for them. So, but yeah, I'm, uh, I'm excited to see, uh, young, young stars get their bag. The thing about Denzel Ward that I'll say as well, real quick, uh, before we jump off from him is, um, 
real quiet type of corner. Like I don't hear a lot of, yeah. uh, you hear about Jalen Ramsey and how he talks and I follow Jalen Ramsey on Instagram. And so like, I see his posts, I see him pull up in the mariachi suits and there's a lot of like people that love Jalen Ramsey for that. And I mean, Jay, like Jalen Ramsey has a quote where he used to um, DM star wide receivers, chicks before games. Uh, I think it was in high school or in college. He used to DM the star wide receivers for the opposing team to DM their chicks to get in their head. Oh, you know what man. I mean? And that's funny. Stuff. Denzel, that's crazy, dude. Like, and Denzel Ward, just, just real quiet, dude. Just real humble, works his ass off. And yeah, it's definitely nice to see him uh, get that get that hundred mil mark um, as a corner too, because corner is one of my favorite positions. And I think Denzel Ward wears twenty one, and I love I love when star players wear like these real classic numbers like that. Like, yeah, I love I love a corner that wears twenty one. Like, yeah, obviously I'm a big primetime fan uh, because yep. primetime is the man. But yeah, like love to see a, a, a star corner get paid and wear twenty one. Totally, man. Yeah, I agree. Love the Deion Sanders number. Um, and I agree also with the sentiment of ironically talking about uh, Deion Sanders, who is very vocal and uh, talkative. Like that's what he's known for is his personality. Uh, Ward being a much quieter guy and just does his job kind of reminds me of Champ Bailey almost in that sense where he's like, he's just a silent killer out there. He doesn't talk much, but he will just lock you down the entire game. Um, and, uh, yeah, really glad for him to get that bag. He totally deserves it. Totally made me chuckle about him getting paid just a tiny bit more than Jalen Ramsey, but, uh, that's, that's how NFL contracts be nowadays. So, all right. So, uh, we can go ahead and move on now and take a look at our mock draft. Um, so for this today, we're going to go ahead and go through all 32 picks of the first round and just kind of go back and forth. Uh, look at each pick from each team, uh, maybe talk a little bit about them. And yeah, um, so I, I will go ahead and start off here with our very first pick from the Jacksonville Jaguars. They're in this mock draft, they're going to pick Aiden Hutchinson, an edge out of Michigan. I mean, this is, you know, on every single mock draft, you, you see every single one that everybody's put out. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson is the expected number one pick. And uh we all know why at this point, um, you know, he's projected to be another star, uh, another kind of Bosa brother esque player uh, in the league. And uh, that's definitely going to be a good pick for the Jaguars. If that's who they decide to take. Yeah. I think it gives them I, last year, they took their franchise quarterback with the number one overall pick. They took Trevor Lawrence. That's going to be your foundation guy on the offense, obviously um, your, you know, face of the franchise. And with this year's number one overall pick, you you get the cornerstone of your defense. You get your star pass rusher, your quarterback of the defense, almost in, in a sense of, you know, he's going to be your your franchise player. You know, like the one that models your jersey is going to be Trevor Lawrence and Aiden Hutchinson. And, you know, exactly what you said. You know, he's the number one overall pick on everyone's mock, you know, for, you know, super, super high motor player. Um, just gets after the quarterback. I mean, he was a difference maker on that Michigan uh, uh, defensive line for sure. So, yeah, very, very, very consensus number one overall pick right there. I don't think there's any question about it. Unless something weird happens and the Jaguars mess it up. But right. they didn't mess up Trevor Lawrence. So True. It's hard to mess that one up. 
to be fair. Absolutely. Absolutely. But I'll still take Zach Wilson over Trevor. I don't care. No, no, we're not. That's one thing we're not going to do, Ryan. We're not going to become a Trevor Lawrence supporting podcast. We're not going to do that. We'll, we'll give the man his respect. But Zach Wilson is he's number two overall, but number one in our hearts. Exactly. I like that. That's very good. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then, so how about number two, Enrique? Um, so for our mock draft here, we have the Lions picking number two, and they're going to take Malik Willis, quarterback out of Liberty. And yeah, I think that this is uh, this is the pick for the Lions, especially going into a new era in Detroit. You have Jared Goff. You know, if Malik Willis is obviously a bit more, um, he's a little bit more of a project. Um, you know, coming out of Liberty, he didn't necessarily get to play against uh, super high competition. Um, but you know, he's he's got he's got all the really nice tantalizing things that you like to see out of a quarterback prospect. So he gets to come in, sit behind Jared Goff for a year or two. Um, you ride Jared Goff until you can ride Jared Goff. And then whenever you're ready, you know, new coach, new new kind of front office there in Detroit trying to figure some stuff out going forward with the franchise. And you take your, you take your franchise guy when you think you got him. And I think, uh, I think they take Malik Willis with number two overall. And, you know, they just call it good after that. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree uh, with everything you said. I, I think it's, uh, as we kind of talked about a couple of weeks ago, the Lions could choose to pass on a quarterback in this draft, um, but I really do like Malik Willis. I think it's a good fit for them, especially if they want to build around him. Uh, Jared Goff, not necessarily like the first person who you would uh, want as like a um, mentor coming into the league for Malik because Jared is much more of a pocket passer than Malik is projected to be. Um, but I do think that having Jared gives you that ability, like you mentioned, to uh, just start Jared, give Malik time to uh, sit on the bench, learn the game, uh, but then also give the coaching staff time to build an offense around his skill set, uh, get everyone comfortable with that. And then uh, when he's ready, uh, really come out prepared. You know what I mean? I think that's going to be uh, the best solution for Malik Willis. Uh, you know, I worry about Malik Willis going to other teams that will try to start him sooner um, and don't have a, a short-term solution. Um, and so we're are needing him to step up quicker than the Lions potentially would having Jared Goff there. Um, so, yeah, I, I think that's a really solid spot for him for sure. Um, and then so at another or at number three, uh, the Texans picking Evan Neal offensive tackle uh, out of Alabama. And I, I really feel like there's a few different tackles you could go here. Um, but offensive line seems like a really solid uh, starting point for the Texans. Uh, just shore that up for Davis Mills, your young quarterback. Uh, make sure he's all protected and make sure that offense can run and he can learn uh, with keeping his jersey clean. Um and yeah, I mean, Evan Neal, in my personal opinion, like I said, there's a lot of tackles that you could put in this spot. So it's not necessarily that he's the best one, but I do think that he's a good fit with the Texans. Yeah, I agree. I agree for sure. I think um, exactly to what you just said, um, there's a lot of tackles that could go here. I, I think Evan Neal it probably fits there with the Texans a bit better. And even more so, Evan Neal is probably my favorite tackle. 
uh, yeah. in this draft. And so it's it's definitely bittersweet to see him go a pick before the Jets, um, you know, because I really did like him uh, fitting in with the offensive line that uh, the Jets are building. Uh, but, yeah, I think you you think you got your guy in Davis Mills. Get him a cornerstone left tackle um, that's going to protect him. That way you don't have to worry about – those guys could build together, you know, then you continue to build the offensive line, um, you know, but you have your franchise left tackle to protect your blind side. And you just you nail that pick, blue chip player, um, obviously from – a blue chip program in Bama, but I, <laughs> you know, you already know that, Ryan. You already yeah, know you unfortunately. You, know you. you already know yeah. how be. Um, but with the number four overall pick, my New York Jets, we have them taking Kayvon Thibodeau, Edge, uh, coming out of Oregon. And this is uh, a pick that the Jets have needed for a long time now. The Jets have needed an edge rusher for a real long time. Uh, Kayvon, KT, as some call him, coming out of Oregon, just when – I, I looked at a little bit of, uh, like, highlights um, from this last year in Oregon and truly a difference maker out there. Like, he just jumps off the tape. He you, yeah. he gets around the edge so, so quick. Um, yeah, I'm just – I'm really excited. If we're not going to take Evan Neal to protect Zach Wilson and shore, shore up our offensive line – um, because I really like our offensive line right now. Adding another blue chip guy to that group, sign me up for it in any capacity, guard, tackle, any capacity. Um, I think it's a little high for the Jets to take a guard at four. So if Evan Neal's not there, I'd love the Jets to take KT. Just give us a dynamic edge rusher in Robert Sala's offense or in Robert Sala's defense to line up with Quinn and Williams and Quincy Williams and got CJ Mosey as the middle backer and you know, we have young, hungry corners and young, hungry safeties that are trying to get those interception numbers up. So, yeah, if we have a guy coming off the edge, it's obviously going to help a lot. And we have my boy coming back from in injury as well. Um, so it's going to be even better just to get, you know, a nice young pass rusher in there to, you know, hopefully dominate um, for the Jets for the next – 10 plus years, you know, and I think uh, hopefully KT could do that. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I really think he could. Um, I, and this number four pick, like you mentioned, is uh, somewhere where the Jets could go a few different ways. Offensive tackle, uh, definitely with some uh, players still on the board, even after Evan Neal's off of it. Um, there, That would definitely be a, a possibility as well. Um, and a solid pick there. Uh, but then you also can't go wrong with Edge and uh, Kayvon Thibodeau. And uh, like you said, total difference maker, uh, elite physically. Uh, he's a smart player. And, yeah, I mean, there's there's really not a whole lot to say about him if you know who he is and uh, if you've watched any of his tape. It's pretty self-evident that he's going to be a good player, um, hopefully for a long time in the NFL. Uh, and then, so number five here is the New York Giants, and they're going to pick Ikem Ekwanu, ah, sorry, offensive tackle out of NC State, a uh, player that I really, 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 really like, um, and I think he's going to be super successful in the league. Uh, Giants finally pick an offensive tackle, help out their offensive line a little bit, uh, keep Daniel Jones's jersey clean a little bit for his uh, prove-it year coming up here. Um, 
and then help out Saquon a little bit, not get destroyed trying to run the ball. You know, I mean, a lot of people talk about the underproduction of uh, Saquon and don't include the fact that, number one, Daniel Jones is not providing a consistent passing attack. So the defense keys in and, and fills the box. And then on top of that, the Giants offensive line has just been awful. Um, and so, you know, hopefully uh, if they pick a, a tackle, they do also pick at number seven. So they could choose to flip flop there and maybe pick something else and a tackle a little bit later. Um, but I think that that would be a very effective pick for them. And uh, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think that the Giants have uh, missed blue chip cornerstone players the last few drafts. Um, and so, yeah, I think they get icky. They put them right in, you know, uh, what does he play? Uh, is it left tackle? Yeah, I think he played uh, snaps at both, but primarily left, I believe. Okay, perfect. Yeah, you put him in there to cover Daniel Jones' blind side. Um, you know, just like you said, give Saquon a little bit of uh, breathing room. And, you know, you just need these blue chip guys. You know, when you're a struggling franchise like the Giants and, you know, being a Jets fan, we all know how the Giants suck. Um, you know, you really <laughs> have to, like, just add blue chip players as much as you can. So, yeah, I think they do this uh, with the number five pick with Icky. Absolutely. And, and so with uh, the number six pick, we got the Panthers taking Kenny Pickett, quarterback out of Pitt. And I think this is another, you know, kind of very similar to the, the Detroit Lions move. Um, and we were talking about this a little bit before we came on. Um, you know, you have a very similar situation that the Lions have. You have Sam Darnold who's, um, you know, kind of in a prove-it situation himself, whether he's going to be a good quarterback that someone can build off of or not. Um, and so you don't necessarily have an answer sitting in your quarterback room right now. You take a, you take a young guy that, you know, played at a very high level last year, um, who I think plays with a lot of confidence, a lot of swag. I like Kenny Pickett a lot. I like any quarterback that has like a little bit of a, a little bit of an edge factor to him. Um, yeah. He had that real cool slide um, as well, you know, yeah. that got, they got that rule, um, you know, pretty much declared after him. And so, yeah, I think the Panthers come in, they take a guy that can at least compete with Sam Darnold and, you know, they just, you, in this league, you need a quarterback. And if you think that you could possibly get a guy here at six, you just take the guy at six. And I think that's Kenny Pickett. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. And I think Kenny Pickett as well is one of those guys that uh, people view closer to like a Mac Jones last year where he has potential to start pretty quickly. Um, and it, maybe his uh, ceiling might not be as high as some of the other guys, um, but that he would be able to uh, perform decently well pretty quickly in the league. And I, I think that that would be a solid pick for uh, the Panthers, you have a running game as long as you can get something going. Uh, and at the very least, you know, like you said with Sam Darnold, give them a competition and uh, see if Sam Darnold can win it out. And then in that case, give Kenny Pickett some time to learn, uh, some time to grow and see what he can turn into as well. Uh, and then so for number seven here, back to the New York Giants, and they pick Trevon Walker, edge out of Georgia. Uh, yeah, Trevon Walker, somebody that has kind of raised up draft boards in the last few weeks here um, and edge a position where the Giants have sorely needed uh, for a few years now. 
Um, I think that uh, alongside offensive tackle, that would be a really solid pair of uh, players to, to get, uh, you know, shore up that defense a little bit that wasn't too, too bad last year. Um, but certainly the defensive line could use some help. Um, and then, you know, help out that offensive line as we talked about um, and help out your running game and your passing game all at the same time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think this is, if this is the way it ends up going um, for the Giants, I think this is perfect. You get two real franchise players on both sides of the ball. Um, Trayvon Walker, just like you said, blew up draft boards. I didn't know where he came from. There's guys talking about him going number one, dude, which is crazy. It's crazy. And, and I, you know, I did my research, and yeah, I mean, he's got he's got all of the the stuff that you need from an edge guy. Um, so yeah, I like it a lot. I think the Giants take Trayvon Walker. You know, throw him on the other side of the ball as your new flashy draft pick and you got two cornerstone players uh, for the future. Uh, So with the next pick at eight, we got the Falcons uh, taking the first wide receiver off the board, Garrett Wilson out of Ohio state. Um, And in my opinion, it could be any of the wide receivers um, at this pick here, but yeah, I I definitely think that the, the Falcons take Garrett Wilson, um, just an absolute stud coming out of Ohio State. You know, if you've seen any sort of, um, you know, highlights from Ohio State this last year, you know, probably has Garrett Wilson included in there just because, I mean, he's just an outright stud. He really, really is. I can't say enough positive things about him. Um, I think that he's going to be a truly elite uh, playmaker when he gets into the league. Um, The Falcons have kind of a questionable quarterback situation right now with uh, Matt Ryan uh, taking off to Indy. But, you know, Marcus Mariota, I believe in Marcus. I think uh, Garrett Wilson can, you know, give Marcus Mariota a consistent uh, threat because I don't think they have – they don't have um, – what's his name? All year, right? He got – he's suspended all year, isn't he? Yep. Yeah, all year. For the gambling thing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, so. they have pretty much – other than, like <laughs> – Pit, pits at tight end they yeah. have almost no receiving threats whatsoever right now yeah so yeah you go ahead and get you know obviously you know like you just brought up you get Kyle Pitts you throw another playmaker to play on the outside there and you know hope that Marcus Mario can make some make some stuff happen with those guys but yeah I think this is a good pick right here Garrett Wilson first wide receiver coming off the board and very deserving of it too yeah. Yeah. No, I, I agree with your sentiment. Uh, I do really like Garrett Wilson, uh, but this is a stacked wide receiver class, especially at the top. So there's any number of guys that could go there. And then I also think that the Falcons, as you mentioned with the uh, QB situation, I do think they, they need a QB, but if Kenny Pickett and Malik Willis are off the board by eight, in my personal opinion, I, I would not see them taking one of the other quarterbacks uh, unless they just really felt like the Seahawks were going to take a guy that they wanted um, at nine right after them. Um, I would almost try to trade back somewhere into the middle of the, the round. And I feel like any of those other guys like Howell um, and, uh, you know, Ritter and literally any of the other quarterbacks after Willis and Pickett, I think you can get, you know, past 14 or 15. Um, right. in the first round, most likely, uh, just because in my opinion, the drop down of ceiling between 
Kenny Pickett and uh, Willis and then the other ones is big enough for that. Um, but they could very well take a quarterback there too if they really believe in one of those guys. Um, but yeah, wide receiver, definitely a glaring need for the Falcons right now. Um, and then at number nine, we have the Seahawks picking Ahmad Sauce Gardner, a cornerback out of Cincinnati. Um, honestly, a guy that like, it's surprising almost to see him that far down the board, but there's just so much talent everywhere that uh, some of these players start to get pushed down in the round. Um, but I think that that would be a really solid place for him to go. Um, and the Seahawks definitely uh, needing in that department as well. Uh, and yeah. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, just like you said, the Seahawks definitely need a corner uh, sauce Gardner, his uh, whole career at Cincinnati didn't allow a touchdown. Um, yeah, this it's is another crazy. guy that I – it's an absolutely crazy stat. A whole career. Your whole college career you didn't allow one touchdown. Yeah. Absolutely insane. Over a 1,000 snaps, like, didn't allow a touchdown. It's crazy. Um, but, yeah, this is another guy that I would have loved to see come to New York. Uh, love his nickname, Sauce Gardner. Like, just love it. Love it, love it, love it. That boy knows he's a sauce. Like, just love it. So – yeah, um, love to see the Seahawks take him at nine, and I think it's a great fit right away. So, um, But now at number 10, we got, uh, once again, my New York Jets with our second first-round pick taking Drake London, wide receiver out of USC. Um, this is something that, you know, uh, I've talked to you about. I've talked on the show about um, I love Drake London. Absolutely just big dominant wide receiver, you know, like a true number one wide receiver in my eyes. Yeah. And, you know, kind of in that Mike Evans. I love Mike Evans coming out of Texas A&M. I love Mike Evans now with the Bucks, And kind of in that very Mike Evans-esque um, frame of, you know, a guy that can kind of play, play some jump ball, kind of use his body a little bit. Um, you know, one of my all-time favorite wide receivers, Brandon Marshall, was a, a real good possession wide receiver like Drake London. Um, you know, he kind of has some uh, some route running issues, but, you know, hopefully once he gets to the league, he'll be able to clean some of that stuff up. And, um, yeah, I mean, pair him with Zach Wilson and let's just, let's just hope we get Debo and we can just call it a year. You guys can just call it a year because the Jets are going to be picking that 32 next year because – or winning the ball, son. Dude, I'm saying. Well, and that, that's also kind of what I love about this Drake London fit is uh, you have, if you get Drake London and you get Debo, which would be just amazing, and then you have Braxton Berrios and Denzel Mims, who I really liked coming out of college. I am hoping that he uh, comes back and uh, plays a bigger role in the offense here this upcoming season as well. Um, that's a, a lot of variety for one thing. I mean, London and Mims, I would say, are semi-similar, but I think that Mims has less um, – uh, like he can do less things, and London is more kind of a, an overarching uh, wide receiver that he really, like you said, needs to work on some route running and some like technicality and just cleaning up some things. Um, but as far as functionality, he has what it takes to be a true number one. Uh, I think Denzel Mims gives you kind of like a jump ball – deep threat kind of guy, Braxton Berrios, you can do some deep stuff as well as some uh, gadget plays and uh, use him interestingly. And then Debo is Debo. You know what I mean? That would like, there's just so much that you can do and with all those more. different weapons. Yeah. And oh my God. And I'm forgetting. Well, and then isn't there also, um, there's one more that I'm forgetting uh, his numbers in the eighties. 
Oh, Corey Davis. Corey Davis. Like, there's so many. There's like those yeah, are legitimate a, weapons, that's a, bro. Those are that's a stacked wide receiver room. I'm just it saying. It really is. Like, yeah, that's and I think Drake London is the perfect. I mean, with or without Debo, I think Drake London is a really solid piece to kind of uh you know click everything into place give him he might take some time uh like we were talking about to fully develop into a dominant first wide receiver but i think year one he can come in and give you production um and yeah i just i love that fit uh i love him as a player and i i really think that that jets would be a really solid location for him to go um and then so for number 11 we have the Washington football team, technically known as the Washington Commanders, uh, picking Kyle Ham- Hamilton safety out of Notre Dame. And Kyle Hamilton, somebody that could go, it's kind of hard to like pick where you know, Kyle Hamilton is going to go in this draft because he's a talented player among a lot of other talented players. Uh, but safety is not necessarily a position that is viewed as one of the very top, top priorities. And especially when you have such um, depth in priority positions like tackle, like edge, like wide receiver, like corner too. Like there's a lot in this draft. Um, You know, you start to see him uh, drop, but I could easily see Kyle Hamilton somewhere in the top 10 if somebody likes him enough but i could also see him you know 20 21 like somehow if there's just other players that people like more you know um but i think that the uh, commanders could really use a safety like that uh just a weapon back there with chase uh, uh young on the defensive line give him some help and uh yeah yeah i think the i think you're absolutely right I think the commanders are in a nice spot too because they really are just a few pieces away from really contending in a really weak division. So, you know, you know, and exactly like you said, safety not being viewed as a truly super valuable position. They're, they're in that good spot where they're, you know, they can add a guy because, you know, you don't necessarily love a quarterback right now. Um, So you can add a guy that, you know, can be a difference maker on the back end you know, build some continuity with Chase Young. and Because, I mean, that's really where the strength of the commanders is, is that the, the defensive side of the ball. So, yeah. add another blue-chip guy back there to show up the back end. And, yeah, Kyle Hamilton, he's a baller, dude. Like, uh, yeah. another guy that I would love in green and white as well because he really is a baller. Um, <clears throat> but after the commanders, we got the Vikings taking Derek Stingley Jr., cornerback uh, LSU. And, yeah, I think Derek Stingley is um, – I mean, it's him or Soft as far as who you want to say is the number one corner. Um, but Derek Stingley has all the true physical, uh, you know, talents and physical um, traits that you typically like to see in it, uh, like a uh, number one corner. And even yeah. more so, he's coming out of LSU which is, you know, kind of known as DBU because they just produced such high-quality corners over the last few years. Um, I mean, I would say almost every year, if not every other year, there's a big-name corner coming out of LSU. And, yeah, Yeah. this year it's Derek Stingley. 
Um, there's also, and you know, please go look at it because it is truly impressive. Uh, there's video of Derek Sealing covering Jamar Chase, who was the offensive rookie of the year this last year, and put up crazy, crazy numbers at LSU with Joey B. And obviously continued that this last year with the Bengals. Um, Derek Stingley locked him up, man. So, yeah. you know, and like there's that little bit of an injury concern with Derek, but, you know, you like him so much as a player and you like his pedigree um, from the school that he's played at um, that, you know, you, you take him as soon as you can get him. And yeah, just like you said, um, you know, there's just so much depth as far as talent goes that some of these really, you know, really quality guys are going to go later on. And I think the Vikings get a steal if they can get Stingley at 12. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree with that. Absolute steal at 12. Um, and then to your point, talking about him and his career at LSU, and it's like the 2019 team, and then he uh, was a, a national championship team with college football with Joe Burrow and uh, just a crazy talented team across the board. And then you think about, two of the wide receivers on that uh, offense and Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, who back-to-back years broke rookie of the year or not. Well, they won rookie of the year for one thing, but then they broke. Yeah. uh, Rookie regular season records. um, Just absurd. And then like you said that he was able to lock down those guys. Um, And so you think about the level of talent that he's been facing throughout his college career and how well he's done against it. And it's kind of hard to imagine that he's not going to be successful in the NFL if he can lock down two generationally good wide receivers that just came into the league, you know? Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. Uh, And then uh, at number 13, we're back to the Texans. uh, And we have them picking Jermaine Johnson, a defensive end out of Florida State. Uh, I think this is a really good pick for him. And Jermaine Johnson, another guy that sneaking down that board, even though he's a guy that could go a little bit higher. Um, But uh, he's a a strong guy, plays with a lot of force, plays with a lot of power. And I I really like him. Um, And I think that would be a good fit for uh, the Texans. I do think that the Texans could, uh, another one of of those teams, because they have two uh, first-round picks in their first round, or first one being at number three, Uh, Depending on who they like more, there's a lot of edge guys and defensive line guys at number three uh, that are better than Jermaine Johnson. And so if you value that more than getting one of those uh, top, top tackles and you think there's enough uh, tackle depth in this class that you can take one at 13 and be happy with it, um, which is entirely possible, uh, then uh, I think you could see those flip-flopping as well. But uh, yeah, number 13, I think Jermaine Johnson is a solid pick for the Texans. Yeah, absolutely. And this is where I kind of slotted Jermaine Johnson uh, going anyways. Um, coming from Georgia when he transferred to Florida State, um, he was all right at Georgia, but he really put it on this last year at Florida State. Um, so, yeah, this is kind of where I saw him going. Um, but, yeah, Texans get another, uh, you know, uh if like you said, if they don't flip flop the picks here, um, you know, as far as taking a, a tackle, um, yeah, I think Jermaine Johnson going here at 13 is perfect for him. He's uh yeah, super strong dude, plays a lot of force, and I think he, uh, I think he's going to be one of the more um, talented guys coming out of this year's draft that you know we're going to see uh, kind of hit the league hard next year. So 
I'm definitely yeah. looking forward to wherever Jermaine Johnson goes. Yeah. Um, so next we got your uh, your second favorite team here, the Baltimore Ravens, yes. taking uh, Trent McDuffie corner out of Washington. And uh, you know we talked about it when you broke down the Ravens uh, pre-draft wise, um, which once again you did a great job doing. Uh, we you. talked about the Ravens taking a corner uh, just to add you know to the generational. Um, you know, wealth that they've always had in regards to having a, a nice corner. Um, you know, they just got uh, – I'm, I'm not sure if Jimmy Smith is back yet or not, but, you know, the last time they took a uh, corner in the first round, um, they usually have a pretty, you know, nice history with it. So they, t- they take Trent McDuffie, um, you know, big physical corner um, that, you know, playing in Washington, another one of those really good, uh, you know, DB universities. Um, Washington always I think they have two guys even just this year that are really really solid um so yeah Trent McDuffie being the better one um goes to the Ravens at 14 and pairs up with uh Marlon Humphrey to give you guys some uh some shutdown corners going forward yeah yeah absolutely I totally agree I really like him coming out of Washington um and yeah, he's like you said, the Ravens have had a rich history, especially, you know, corners. Yes, but defense in general and just having uh, or finding uh, gems and uh, having a good track record with their drafting. Um, and so I think Trent McDuffie would be a good pick for them. And then uh, at number 15, uh, looking at the Eagles and they pick Jameson Williams, wide receiver out of Alabama. Um, as we've mentioned a couple times, another one of those guys where it's like you could see him far within the top 10 if somebody likes him enough. Um, but just because of the amount of talent in this draft, uh, he ends up here at number 15 with the Eagles. The Eagles finally, finally picking up, uh, well, outside of uh, who they just picked up, uh, was it last year? Uh, yeah, Jalen Hurts' college teammate. Yeah, Devonta Smith. Thank you. Um yeah, and then they add on to that with Jamison Williams and, uh, you know, finally fix a wide receiver core that's been lacking and, and getting better, uh, but been lacking after they tried to draft guys and it just has not worked out. Uh, Jamison Williams, I'm going to go ahead and predict he's not going to be a guy that flames out in the league. I think he's a pretty safe bet. Yeah, and I agree for sure. Um, obviously, when you're able to pair college teammates together, um, that's amazing. You know, I'm not sure if Jalen and Jamison play together. I think maybe depending on how many years Jamison was at college, he may have caught Jalen's last year. But yeah, um, I'm not sure about that. Know, regardless, being able to put Devontae on one side, Jamison on the other side. And I think another reason why Jamison probably falls to, if I'm being honest, starting pretty much outside the top 10, it, unless someone really, really likes him. Um, is because of the injury that he suffered as well. Um, That's true. You know, ACL. So yeah, he's and but he did say he was going to be close to running by the draft. I'm not sure where he's at as far as his injury status right now, but I'm sure by the time the season gets rolling around, he'll be um, he'll be good to go. If not, you know, he'll might have to take the first couple, uh, first month off or so, and then hit the hit the ground maybe mid season. But you know, any you know, even if it's a year wait for Jameson Williams um if he has a setback or something like that it's still it's still worth it for sure because he yeah. really is a baller 
pairing him and um, Devonta and Jalen together could be great. Um, now we got the New Orleans Saints at 16, um, picking my favorite offensive tackle besides Evan Neal. Um, just nasty dude out of Northern Iowa. We got them taking Trevor Penning. Um, and like I said, he's just a nasty dude. I love him so much. I love his attitude. I love those like just thick, angry white dudes that are on the offensive <laughs> line that just like, dude, I just love it. Like the Joe Thomas guys, like the Nick Mangle to like yeah. just sit there and just mean dude, just mean, angry dude, just throwing people. I just love that. I love uh, nasty offensive linemen and, yeah, dude, I think Trevor Penning is going to be uh, perfect. Go down there in the bayou and, yeah, block for Jameson. Um, you know, hopefully keep him upright. Absolutely, yeah. And that Saints team has some serious swag, dude. Like, between Jameis, you have Kamara, you have Michael Thomas. I just saw Jarvis Landry is going down there for a visit and might get signed by the Saints. And then you add like Trevor Penning, like there's just so much swag on that team. It's absurd. Uh, there are a lot of personalities uh, and definitely a, a fun roster for sure. And I think that that would, uh, Trevor Penning would be a great add to it uh, for sure. And then, uh, yeah, it's number 17. We have the Chargers uh, picking Georgia, uh, Jordan Davis out of Georgia. Uh, he's a defensive tackle. And uh, yeah, this one, so the Chargers have an awful run defense, um, have for the last few years, and they did add a few players in free agency in uh, Sebastian Joseph Day and one other that is escaping my mind uh, right now, Austin something, but uh, on the defensive line there. So that should help shore up that uh, defensive line and that run defense, but you don't really have a long-term solution there. And I think that uh, Jordan Davis gives you that uh, big old tackle out of Georgia. Uh, he's going to take care of that run defense for you and uh, be a big guy to eat blocks and uh, get some tackles in the middle. Yeah, exactly. That's that's exactly what Jordan Davis did at Georgia. And that's what he's going to continue to do at 17 with the Chargers. I think it's a perfect fit. I think, you know, once again, he did a great job covering the Chargers pre-draft because uh, they were one of the teams that interested us and, yeah, I think Jordan Davis just fits. You throw him right there in the middle and just let him eat up guys, let him eat up uh, the blocks. And, you know, it frees up Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack. It, it just does so much for your defensive line. So, yeah, I think it's a perfect fit. Uh, so now at 18, we have the Eagles picking again. We have them taking Daxton Hill, safety out of Michigan. And Daxton Hill obviously is a little bit of a drop-off from the Kyle Hamilton of the world but still a great safety. And this is another position uh, that the Eagles, you know, kind of needed. Because um, once again, we covered the Eagles in our pre-draft as well. Um, and so, yeah, getting Daxton Hill back there and shore up the back end is going to provide a lot of, a lot of uh, coverage for the Eagles. It's going to allow Darius Slay to be able to get back to his normal form. And he played great last year. Um, but, you know, he's one of those true, truly special corners. And when he yeah. has some help, he can really, really do that. So, yeah, it's going to be nice to see the Eagles uh, hopefully take a safety. Yeah, no, I totally agree with you. And uh, like you mentioned, with the draft coverage, he did a great job with that. And, um, yeah, it's I think Daxon Hill it would be a perfect ad for them. Like you said, uh, help out that uh, defensive back room in Darius Slay. 
uh, who has just been like outside of Darius Slade doing his thing. There's just not a whole lot going on in that defensive back room. Um, and so adding a safety that can, uh, you know, help you cover the field, but then also provide some snaps at corner. If you ever need him in a nickel package or something like that, um, he is capable of doing that type of thing as well. So uh, for sure, a good pick for the Eagles at 18. Um, and then at number 19, we have the Saints again, and uh, they are going to pick Chris Olave, wide receiver out of Ohio State. Uh, finally, fill up a wide receiver uh, there and then give somebody opposite to Michael Thomas. And uh, yeah, I mean, Chris Olave, there's a ton of wide receiver talent in this draft. Uh, Chris Olave, another guy that people could see going real high as well above a few of the other guys that have uh, gone in our mock here. Um, but I think he's a solid fit with the saints and at number 19, I mean, you walk away with that smiling if you get Chris Olave there. Yeah. And I agree for sure. You pair him uh, with another Ohio state wide receiver, uh, Michael Thomas. Um, that's obviously going to make Michael Thomas happy. The saints are happy when Michael Thomas is happy. And yeah, I think the Saints are going to be real happy with uh, Chris Olave coming uh, coming out of Ohio State. I think it's a great pick. Um, but now we have the Pittsburgh Steelers at twenty, taking Kyler Elam, corner out of Florida. And Kyler Elam is one of those corners that I really, really like. Um, you know, there is like he's in that same realm of the Trent McDuffies. Um, you know, where there's just so much corner depth in this draft that this guy can go to anywhere, you know, from uh, I would say you can go from like 13 down almost, you know, he could even, I don't know if he drops to the second round. I think he's a really good corner, but I love him going to uh, Pittsburgh at 20. I think it's a really good fit. You know, Pittsburgh's uh, defensive back room is getting a little bit older. Um, and I think they just lost Joe Hayden as well. So, yeah. you know, they're going to need – they're going to need – and Pittsburgh already has a great defense. Um, you know, it, like they got Minka back there. But as far as their corners, you know, that's going to be kind of where uh, Pittsburgh has lacked the last few years. Um, you know, and Joe Hayden was older up there anyways. So, but, yeah, at 20, Kyrie Elam with the Steelers. Absolutely. Yeah. And just like you talked about, uh, it's been a position of need for them the last couple of years, but then losing Joe Hayden on top of that, uh, definitely something that they need to fill up. And uh, I think Kyrie Ilham is an easy pick at 20. Uh, and then at 21, we have the Patriots uh, picking Nakobe Dean, linebacker out of Georgia. Uh, this one, I totally love the fit with the Patriots. I think Nakobe Dean is such a Patriot-esque player. Um, he's an intelligent guy. He's a humble guy. He just likes to work uh, and he loves the game. And yeah, I mean, he's a very explosive linebacker, middle linebacker. Um, and you could see him going earlier. So, I, you know, like we've said for a lot of these guys, they, they could go earlier. Middle linebacker, I think, is it's pretty uh, possible that Nicobe Dean would make it this far down to the Patriots just because kind of like we we were talking about uh, earlier with Kyle Hamilton and safety is unless you're a top, top, top talent in some of these uh, lesser viewed positions and, uh, or like just not top tier positions, like, you know, tackles, offensive and defensive and cornerback and quarterback and things like that. Um, 
you might not go super high, especially in a deep draft like this. Um, but if the Patriots can sit there at 21 and then pick up N'Kobe Dean, uh, who in other years with a less uh, talented draft would probably be a top 10, top 15 pick for sure. Um, that's a solid steal for them. Yeah. And I agree. And I, I hate this. I hate this pick because it's the Patriots. And I hate, <laughs> yeah. And well, because I love N'Kobe Dean so much. Yeah, it's such a good pick for them, unfortunately. Exactly, exactly, exactly. Like, my point, like, everything you said, like, hit so on the nail, it's ridiculous. Like, he is Mr. Patriot when I think about it. And, you know, he's just, he's a baller, dude. Like, he is, he jumped off with, uh, like, of a stud, a star-studded Georgia defense. You know where N'Kobe Dean was. And that's what I loved about N'Kobe Dean. Um, Flying, you know, his sideline, the sideline screen is ridiculous. Um, yeah. just out there looking like young Luke Keekley coming out of Boston College. Like, yeah. I just love N'Kobe Dean altogether. Um, and I, I just take the pages. Um, but at 22, <laughs> we got the Packers taking George Karloftis, edge out of Purdue. Um, there's This is a steal for the Packers if they're able to get him at 22. Um, you know, who did they just leave? They just lost to Darius Smith. Is that who yep. they let go? Yeah. So, you know, you get another edge guy to replace uh, Zadarius Smith, you know, and you're going to be able to get this guy on his rookie contract. So you're not going to have to pay another edge guy for a while. Um, and yeah, there, there's people that talk about George Karloftis going top 10. Um, but like we've said, with so many guys, it's another one we've got to, you know, add to the list of just a guy that gets pushed down the boards due to talent. But yeah, George Karloftis at 22 coming out of Purdue is is a real, real steal for the Packers. And uh, this is, you know, a lot of our picks, I think, have been relatively realistic in the realm, but the Packers uh, getting Karloftis at 22 just sounds so right. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I know. And it's something about, I mean, just like, correct me if you feel differently, but George Karloftis, Karloftis when you look at that name, for some reason to me, him in a Packers uniform and then eventually wearing a Hall of Fame uh, golden jacket, like it just fits. Like that just looks like a, a football legend name, you know? Like, right. and I, I like, agree. I, I, yeah, I don't know. And maybe it's uh, just my mind coming up with that. But um, I think that it's a super good fit with the Packers. Um, and yeah, like you said, it, it's a miracle if they can get him all the way down at 22. Um, but just because of the amount of talent, it, it could be possible, really. Um, and then so our next pick here, number 23, the Cardinals picking Christian Watson, a wide receiver out of North Dakota State um, and another wide receiver that could go higher. And he's a guy that is kind of divisive uh, because he did play at North Dakota State, which is a smaller school. So he did not face top tier talent uh, in terms of the cornerbacks that he's going against. Um, and so he, he balled out, uh, and consistently. Um, and so sometimes people are kind of iffy on whether that'll translate, um, to me, he's a bigger, uh, frame wide receiver. I think he's like six, two or six, three, uh, but he's got a ton of speed, like breakaway speed. Um, and he had some, uh, drop issues, I believe, which was kind of one of the things dragging him down. Um, but he's. He, he every literally everything else he projects to be an elite wide receiver um and so yeah i think the cardinals who just lost christian kirk um definitely a different 
uh, mold as far as wide receiver than Christian Kirk, but plug him in. You got another weapon for Kyler to throw to. Uh, can't go wrong there. Yeah, and pairing him with DeAndre Hopkins is going to be real nice for Kyler. Um, yeah. You know, it'll go a long way for the Cardinals to help start mending that relationship with their with their star quarterback. And, yeah, dude, uh, just like you said, you know, Christian Watson, big physical freak, absolute flyer, you know. So, yeah, he's going to get a, a, a lot of nice looks with DeAndre Hopkins, you know, most likely being double covered on the other side. Um, and then, you know, vice versa, you know, Hop might start getting more one-on-one looks um, with, you know, a guy like Watson on the other side. Um, and then now uh, Arizona's got a little tight end, too. They got Zach, Zach Ertz. They got the boy. Yeah. So, you yeah. know, we might want to watch out. Well, Arizona will always do what Arizona does and shoot themselves in the foot at the end. But <laughs> I kind of don't like Kyler Murray anymore, so I don't know. Um, but – Moving on to number 24, the Cowboys take Arnold Eka Ebi. You're going to have to say it. Do you, do you know how to say it? Oh, I don't, but I could try. It's like Arnold Ebi Kite? Kiti? Yeah. Something like that. Oh, we're going to have to go with it. Uh, defensive end coming out of Penn State. Um, yeah, this is a great move for the Cowboys. They just lost, uh, you know, Randy Gregory for the Broncos. So, Getting another guy to add to that, you know, defensive uh, defensive line rotation, um, and especially getting a guy. Uh, did it? Micah Parsons come out of Penn State too? Uh you know what? I think you're right. I think he did actually. So if Micah Parsons, we're just gonna say Micah Parsons came out of Penn State for, and if we're wrong, my bad. But you know, getting a guy coming out of college that can pair up with. Um, you know, now you can keep Micah, you know, as a linebacker, you know, that he's so good at um, and, you know, rotate him in as a situational pass rusher a bit more because Micah really does have a talent, the talent to do both. Um, yeah, this is, this is a no brainer for the Cowboys. It's a great pick. And finally they did something. They haven't done anything this whole off season. So this would be a big, big sigh of relief for Cowboys fans. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Like you said, after losing Randy Gregory, um, and that gives them a little bit more flexibility uh, with Michael Parsons and uh, letting him do his thing. And um, yeah, and I did look it up. You were correct that uh, Michael Parsons did come from Penn State, so they were teammates as well. Um, so no, just another reason why it's a good fit for the Cowboys there. Um, and then at number 25, we have the Bills picking Traylon Burks, wide receiver out of Arkansas. Uh, love, love, love this fit especially after you lose Emmanuel Sanders and then um, slot wide receiver, white guy who's totally escaping my mind right now. Uh, the little one. The little um, one. Cole oh, my gosh. Beasley? Cole, Cole Beasley? Beasley. Yep, yep, there you go. Uh, yeah, they, I almost so they said lost... Riley Cooper. I almost said Riley <laughs> Cooper for whatever reason. It's, you know, just a white boy name, one of them. Uh, yeah. No, but yeah, so Cole Beasley, uh, they lost him and Emmanuel Sanders. Um, so you're losing a lot of speed there and a lot of agility in that wide receiving room. Um, obviously, you still have uh, Stefan Diggs and then uh, Mr. Playoffs, who I'm totally forgetting his name, who showed out and got like four touchdowns. Um, Gabriel Martinez. Yes, thank you. Um, yeah, so they, they do have some talent in that wide receiver room. But with the two that you lost, uh, I think it would be pretty important to 
uh, kind of refill that for Josh Allen a little bit. And I think Traylon Brooks is a great fit there out of Arkansas. Yeah, I, um, you know, when we started looking at, you know, some of our pre-draft stuff, I looked at Traylon Burks on film and he's a burner coming out of Arkansas, big physical freak as well. I think he's like in that 6'2", six, 6'3", six, six, uh, frame. Um, just nice, nice wide receiver prospect. Um, there's guys that had the Jets taking him at 10. You know, uh, I'm part of a Jets uh, forum on Facebook and the Jets fans love Traylon Burks so much. Um, the Jets used one of their official pre-draft visits on Traylon Burks, um, you know, so yeah, him going to a division rival kind of sucks, but I love Josh Allen, so I'll root for the Bills a little bit, and yeah, giving Josh another, um, you know, big body speed guy to come up on the other side of Stefan Diggs, is, it's a no-brainer, honestly, it really is, um, especially losing that depth there, um, but now at 26, we got the Titans picking Zion Johnson uh inside offensive line uh, coming out of boston college so i'm imagining he's probably going to play uh you know either the guard spots there is he a he's not a center is he i think he can do both but i think he's primarily a guard okay perfect yeah so um this is exactly what the titans need in regards to you know give ryan Tannehill um a little bit more protection obviously that's not gonna hurt him um, give Derrick Henry bigger holes, you know, uh, and that's really where their offensive uh, firepower comes from is, you know, having Derrick Henry having these big 200-yard games, um, games and then, you know, having a nice balanced offensive, uh, you know, attack. If Derrick Henry's not running, you know, they're able to dump the ball off to A.J. Brown on the outside. Um, so, yeah, Zion Johnson, perfect pick. Uh, pick for the Titans at 26. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, the Titans need help on that offensive line. Uh, can't get enough of the uh, inside offensive line help for sure. Uh, and Zion Johnson, as we've said a million times in this uh, mock draft, a guy that, I mean, inside offensive line doesn't usually go too high, but you could see him going higher than 26 in a lot of different years. Um, but maybe not this year because uh, there's just enough talent to push him down this far. Um, and then at number 27, uh, we actually have two inside offensive linemen going off the board right after another, um, after the Buccaneers go and pick Kenyon Green out of Texas A&M. Uh, another really good prospect there. Um, I believe he's just more of a guard, uh, but big physical guy. Uh, and yeah, I mean, Kenyon Green, just a great prospect. He is pretty refined already, um, could start pretty quickly. And, uh, yeah, the Buccaneers, especially after losing their loss to Ali Marpet, and then uh, another, I think, two or three um, total, like, guards and a couple offensive linemen in general. Um, so to get Kenyon Green for some uh, backup there would be very beneficial. Yeah, I agree, especially, um, you know, and I, I, for sure the Buccaneers are going to pick an offensive lineman, um, I, especially after losing Ali Marpet and getting Brady back, like, no doubt about it. Um, you know, you got, you know, Todd Bowles uh, running the show now, but you still got Bruce Arians in the front office. So, yeah, they're going to do something along these lines. And, yeah, I think Kenny Green, uh, Kenny Green's a great a great fit um, coming out of Texas A&M. Who did beat Alabama last year, Ryan? 
and yes. a, and a did beat Bama last year. Um, and the reason it. I have to bring that up, there, well, okay, so the, real quick, the reason I had to bring it up is because I missed one of the greatest boxing fights ever that night. Uh, Deontay Wilder and Tyson Fury. I think it was like the second or the third fight. One of them. Oh, that um, was a good fight. Uh, yeah, I missed it watching that game just to watch oh. AM kick the ball and win. Oh. It was terrible. Oh, um, but exactly. But uh, next, we got the Packers picking George Pickens, wide receiver out of Georgia. And, you know, like we said, with a few different positions, uh, with our pre-draft coverage and with this mock draft, wide receivers so, so deep this year. Uh, George Pickens, you know, a bit more of an underrated guy coming out of Georgia, but still a baller, um, an absolute weapon, and finally gives the Packers a, uh, a hopeful replacement for Devontae Adams and someone someone that, you know, is not Randall Cobb. Like, And yes. this will probably be the first – Packers wide receiver picked in the first round since I don't know Greg Jennings or Donald Driver or just right. some forever wide receiver ago. Like they just yeah. it's been a long time and A Rod needs it. So yeah, twenty eight Packers George Pickens. Yeah, no, and I I totally hate this pick um, because it's going to be so so good for them and George Pickens like he is and we've kind of talked to him about him on the show. He's one of those guys that got injured and really, really would have been a potential top 10, top 15 pick had he not been injured. But he's kind of faded from the uh, public consciousness a little bit as the recency bias kicks in. And since he hasn't been playing, um, he's going to fall a little bit. Um, And so uh, you see him fall here to the Packers and they get a replacement for Devontae Adams and uh, a top 10 talent at that. Um, and then speaking of that kind of situation at number 29, uh, we have the Chiefs picking David Ojabo edge out of Michigan. Um, somebody that, you know, it really depends on how much the teams are worried about the fact that he tore his Achilles. Uh, and not only like it'd be one thing if he tore it in the college season, but the fact that it was during his pro day um, so close to the draft and um you know, I think medical science, you can not rely, but kind of expect uh, that he will be uh, not very affected by that uh, Achilles injury. Um, but it's entirely possible that he falls pretty far because of it. Um, and so he could go pretty high in this draft. Uh, but if he falls, I think 29 is a solid spot for him. The Chiefs are really hurting for some edge help. Um, and David Ojabo is a blue chip talent, uh, just falling right into their laps. Yeah, I mean, this is definitely one of those cases of, you know, the rich get richer for sure. Uh, David David Ojabo is blue chip talent for sure. I would even say top 10 pick um, yeah. falling because of how, how, how bad the injury was so close to the draft. Um, yeah, I mean, he was, he was playing opposite of Aiden, Aiden Hutchinson and Aiden Hutchinson is the more more than likely number one overall pick. Uh, Aiden can't say enough good things about David Ojabo. Um, I think he's a great player, great edge talent. Um, if he was healthy, I would. This would be this would be my pick for the Jets at four or ten. Um, if he was healthy, I would have loved I would have loved him. Um, so yeah, uh, and then with a back to back pick, the Chiefs pick Jahan Dotson, wide receiver out of Penn State. Um, I mean, just like we said with the previous pick with David Ojabo, um, Dotson, 
you know, rich get richer. Like, I don't know why the Chiefs need this, like, weird thing of, like, getting all the good players. Like, they just feel like they need to always have yeah, the right. star lineup with the wide receiver. Like, just take one year without Tyreek Hill and let me have that. But they're going to go out and draft a guy like Dobson. Um, you know, this wide receiver class is just loaded, loaded this year. So a guy like Dotson going at the end of the first round to the Chiefs doesn't surprise me. Um, you know, they're going to need a guy to replace Tyreek Hill and a guy that they can keep on a rookie contract for a while. Um, they're getting him in the first round, so they're going to have that fifth-year option on him um, if he does pan out. Um, and if he doesn't, um, in terms of become a superstar, that he might, um, you know, it's low enough in the first round that it doesn't hurt him too much. So. Um, yeah, I like this pick a lot for the Chiefs. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with every single thing you said. Uh, couldn't have said it better myself. And it's like, yeah, I mean, what more can you say than they get rid of Tyreek Hill and then immediately probably find his replacement? I mean, not to say that Jahan Dotson is going to immediately be uh, as impactful as Tyreek Hill was, nor is he anywhere near as fast as Tyreek Hill was Um at least according to his 40 times. Um, but that's a solid wide receiver, first-round talent, and uh, they get him at number 30. And, uh, yeah. And then at number 31, we have the Bengals picking Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback out of Clemson. And uh, you think back to the Super Bowl and their biggest issue, corner, and Eli Apple uh, giving up touchdowns. And, uh, yeah, that's to me, that's their two biggest needs coming into the offseason after that Super Bowl was offensive tackle uh, and protecting Joe Burrow, not getting him injured, and then corner and uh, being able to lock up those wide receivers. And so I think uh, with some of their additions in the offseason at uh, offensive line, you can afford to use a first round pick on a corner and then uh, maybe go for some offensive line depth later. Um, but if Andrew Booth Jr. is sitting there at 31, I can't see how you pass that up as the Bengals. Yeah, absolutely. I, I couldn't, This is a no-brainer pick for me as well. Um, Bengals need a corner super bad. And I've actually seen two years of film on Andrew Booth Jr. because I watched film on him last year, too, for whatever reason. Um, and, yeah, I love him. I love him uh, very much. He's probably my third favorite corner in this draft after Sauce and Derek Stingley. So. Uh, him going to the Bengals at 31. Uh, I, plus, Andrew Booth Jr. doesn't like Booth Jr. on the back of a black Bengals jersey. That just sounds right. Like, it was, just like we yeah. said with Carl Office and the Packers, like Booth Jr. playing for the Bengals, like it just it makes sense, dog. Yeah. Um, and then the last pick of the first round, the Lions taking um, Devin Lloyd at 32, linebacker out of Utah. Uh, Devin Lloyd, one of my favorite uh, players, uh, my second favorite linebacker after Nicobe Dean. Um, I think he's a baller. Um, and especially playing at a school like Utah, you're not always getting the national notoriety that yeah. the other guys get, like Nicobe Dean. Um, but, like, Devin Lloyd is a baller, and he definitely is a, a first-round talent. Um, and he goes in there. He's a perfect fit for the Detroit Lions, you know, hardworking guy, you know, kind of blue collar mentality. And, you know, he's um, I, I think he's the leading tackle uh, tackler for the uh, Utes last year. 
Um, so, yeah, I think this is a no-brainer pick, Devin Lloyd, for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think that uh, helps that Lions defense quite a bit, uh, helps that run defense. And, uh, yeah, Devin Lloyd is going to be a good player for sure. I, I do definitely like N'Kobe Dean more, but, I mean, you can't go wrong with either of those guys in the first round. Um, and, yeah, so, wow, that was a lot of picks, all 32. That was a lot of picks. That was a lot of picks, uh, but yeah, that was a lot of fun. I'm glad we did that. Uh, and God, I cannot wait for the draft. I think it's uh, starts on next Thursday. Thursday. It's yep, like the 27th Thursday. or something like that. So uh, yeah, could not be more excited for that. Um, and then so we can go on and, and move on here to – our final part of today's show, which is going to be just catching up on the NBA playoffs. Uh, a few of the games have come through here. And um, so most recently, the 76ers versus the Raptors, the series is now at three versus one. Uh, it was 3-0 until uh, just a couple hours before we started uh, recording today on Saturday. Um, and the Raptors won their first game in the series. Uh, but yeah. I, in Philly? Um, I believe I believe it was in Philly because they were just in Toronto. Um, yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then, yeah, I, I honestly thought it was going to be a 4-0 sweep. Um, but the Raptors definitely had – well, after we went 3-0, I thought it was going to be a 4-0 sweep because I initially thought that the Raptors were going to give them more of a hard time. Um, but, uh, yeah. So, uh, it, it's been interesting to see that series play out so far cool to see the Raptors finally steal a game, especially after uh, Scotty Barnes, now the rookie of the year uh, went down, unfortunately. Um, but at least they didn't go out with a fight or without a fight. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I thought the, I thought the Sixers were going to finish them. The Sixers have looked dominant, um, you know, the first three games. Um, so I thought it was going to continue on. Uh, dude, Maxi. Just be going off this whole series, like bro, just superstar falling out, superstar. Like I, uh, what was it? The first game we were, uh, we were, we were texting about him, where he went off for like thirty six or forty or whatever it was. Yeah, just it was falling, dude. Yeah, first he, or second game, whatever it was. Yeah, it, it's just absurd, and he he's been good all series, but I think especially those first two games were really really good from him. Um, and, uh, yeah, I mean, we could not have asked for more from, uh, him this entire year. You think about without Ben and just kind of waiting in limbo for, uh, something to happen, whether he tried to come back or get traded or whatever. Um, and Tyrese Maxey happily took that opportunity and ran with it. Uh, and then when Harden got here, I was for a second worried that he would start to kind of get overshadowed because obviously Harden is Harden and he uh, has much of the, or he's a very ball dominant player. Um, and so I, I was worried that Maxi was going to uh, reduce, but to the opposite of my expectations, Harden has actually been uh, kind of a mentor to him and really kind of helped this game. And, and Maxi has only gotten better since Harden's been here. So um, yeah, exciting times as a Sixers fan and uh, Maxi is rapidly rising up my favorite players in the league. Um, Cause he's just a rambunctious young man. 
it sounds like such Absolutely. an old person thing to say but yeah i mean he's just he's a good ass player he's young and uh i we couldn't ask for him to do more than he has in the series um and in this year in general and i i can't wait to see how good he gets um but then so our second series here is the celtics versus the nets um and so far uh yeah, I mean, I thought it was going to be a little bit more competitive. It's 2-0 with the Celtics winning uh, both games so far. And a game three is going to be today on Saturday. Um, but the Nets have just not been able to get it going against the Celtics. Um, the Celtics just a force right now. Yeah, no doubt about it. I, I mean, like I said, I watched the Celtics play live, uh, you know, just a little bit before the playoffs. And yeah, I thought the Celtics were going to be a force. Um, I mean, I, I obviously I think the Nets are putting up uh, about as good of a fight as they can. Obviously, um, I think they got Ben coming back this next game. I think he's looking to play like 15 minutes or so. Um, so that could be nice. Plus, I kind of love that Ben Simmons just randomly picked number 10 because now he's Ben 10, and I just love that. Ben but, 10, uh, anyway, so yeah. I think uh, I'm looking to see the Celtics go up, you know, 3-0 on this one. Um, but we'll see if Ben's able to add a difference uh, to that lineup. Um, the the next series, the Bucks and the Bulls, this one has been terrible to watch. I, uh, I What did uh, the Bucks beat them by, like, 30 points last night or something like that? It's crazy. Yeah. 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 I mean, but it's, like, it's kind of interesting now with Middleton out you know, you look at it and it's, I, I still don't think the Bulls can pull it off, but just the fact that they were even able to take one game in the first place, I was surprised by. Um, and then you have Middleton go down. I think Giannis is going to Giannis it, you know what I mean? But for the long-term survival of the Bucks, you know, I don't know that they can survive Middleton being out. I agree. Do we know how severe that injury is? I know it's a sprain and I think they're going to like reevaluate in two weeks, but that usually doesn't actually mean like he'll come back in two two weeks. They just don't really like know yet. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. That's, that's a big loss for sure. Uh, Yeah. Chris Middleton is a second best player by far. So um, yeah. And Bobby Portis too. Yeah. So it's going to be really hard to, um, it's going to be really hard not to have him in the lineup, um, especially as like you get past the Bulls for sure. But what what their next matchup is that going to be? Um, who's that going to be between this? Is it going to be the 76ers or the Celtics? Uh, I'd have to look at the seeding. Oh yeah, well either way, you're going to get a real team next. I'm not saying the Bulls aren't real, but like you know they're obviously they're out of hit with the injuries and stuff. Um, yeah. But, yeah, like every other team, like whether you have to play the Sixers, the Celtics, or the Heat, because um, that, that's those are the winners that I'm predicting. Um, surprise. Um, yeah. Whether you have to pay any of those guys, those are <laughs> like the Heat are – the Heat are a really good team right now, and the Celtics are on fire. So, um, yeah, it's going to be real hard for the Bucks to get past that. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree. And uh, yeah, it looks like they're going to face the winner of the Boston and Brooklyn series. So likely the Celtics. Uh, um, yeah. But I mean, if, even if it's the Nets, it's like, that's, yeah, that's all. Uh, that's still, yeah, that's still tough. It's still Katie, it's a tall Kyrie, ask. and Ben Simmons. 
I mean, yeah, honestly, exactly. that's a tall ask with Middleton. You know what I mean? Like that's a they obviously that's a very winnable series. Yeah, they did. They did. That's a very and that's a, that was with Harden too. Um, mm-hmm. They but uh, yeah, that's a that's a winnable series for sure. But it uh, definitely a lot harder without Middleton. Um, if the if the real quick if the Bucks or if the Nets either lose to the Celtics or lose to the Bucks, um, are they like? Considered one of the worst big threes with Harden and with Ben, like ever. Like I know with Ben, you kind of have to give him some time to gel a little bit. Um, and with Harden, I don't think he was there long enough to gel. But like overall, pretty pretty big Al on Kyrie and Kevin Durant's career marks, right? Yeah, I mean, so far, I think they've had a lot of obstacles when you think about COVID. Uh, and KD coming back from his initial injury while when he got traded, like it took him because he missed that entire following season, didn't he? I think. Um, yeah. And then, yeah. So I mean, it, there really has not been a whole lot of them playing together in general, uh, especially with Kyrie, Kyrie being a like part time player this season, and um, then the trade with Ben. So. All the time weird. Yeah. Yeah, no, and it. Uh, I mean, we'll have to see. Like you said, it depends on where they do go in these playoffs, and probably depending on the next couple of years. But the first few years of the uh, Nets big three has not been. Uh, like I say, it's pretty fair to put it in that category of potential worst of all time, which is kind of funny to think about when you think about the previous time that the Nets did the exact same thing with Kevin Garnett. And uh, did they bring over – it was Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce, and then who else? Fucking was it – it wasn't Rondo who came over, was it? It was somebody else. No, who was it? Um, That's how forgettable they were. I'm totally forgetting who was exactly. in it. Was it Joe Johnson? I totally – I totally can't remember. Um, but, yeah, I mean – yeah, to the the point though is it's like the now twice they've done the same thing of uh uh oh it was uh Terry uh oh my god his first name Jason Terry Jason Terry Jesus yeah Paul Pierce Kevin Garnett and Jason Terry and that just completely flamed out as a big three yeah um, a... and yeah so they've done that twice now if it doesn't work out with uh but I mean at least you can say with this time that uh, for sure Katie and Kyrie have like put up production. You know what I mean? Like it's not for the fact that their like careers are over, which is kind of what it was last time with Kevin Garner. Like they just didn't yeah, have it true. anymore. It just has been obstacles for the nuts. Right. Um, that's fair. Now. That's fair. But uh, yeah. So yeah. Interesting uh, series to watch there. Um, yeah. The Bucks should for sure get uh, past the Bulls, and then um, if the Nets can get back uh, past the Celtics, that'll be interesting to see them face off for sure. Um, and then our last uh, Eastern Conference uh, matchup here is the Heat versus the Hawks. Currently at uh, two to one, the Heat's win or Heat is winning, and then uh, Game Four is going to be played tomorrow, April twenty fourth. And yeah, I mean, I'm glad for the Hawks to take uh, one game. I think the Heat take this series eventually. Uh, I think that's the way it looks when you watch the games. The Hawks are just outmatched, but 
uh, Trey is at least going to drag them to a couple. Yeah, no doubt about it. I mean, Ice Trey, you know, got the the little floater there at the end to win the game. Love yeah. to see it. Um, yeah, I mean, I guess we're just going to have to see what happens. But yeah, I think I think ultimately the Heat take them out, um, whether it's in six or not. Um, yeah, I think it'll be the Heat regardless. Uh, now the next one's been real nice. The first um, first series of the Western Conference that we'll talk about. The Mavs and the Jazz at yeah. two to one game four t- uh, today. Um, that 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 series has been real, real nice to see, and one of the ones that we thought was going to be competitive, anyways. Um, but yeah, uh, real, real nice to see uh, Luca uh, balling out. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I think I don't know. I don't know anymore. W- w- which way are you leaning? It? Utah, yeah, I, you think Utah I, it? I think the Mavs still take it, in my opinion. Uh, and they, they played the first few, a couple games without uh, Luca there, and then he came back. And uh, he, I was surprised by how well the Mavs were able to play, honestly, without him. Um, and I, I was expecting the Jazz to take an early lead in the series, and uh, that's kind of. Yeah, yeah, well, and that's kind of where it would come down to is whether or not Luca can make up the difference and then win the series, which he probably could. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, with the Mavs already winning the series, uh, even without Luca for a couple games, it's hard for me to see the Jazz coming back from that. Uh, but I do think it still ends up being a six- or seven-game series because uh, the Jazz won't go down without fighting. But, uh, yeah, I mean, as a Nuggets fan, I like, you know, I – I'm not a fan of the Jazz, and I kind of sure. hope that this is low-key the downfall of this current roster. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we'll see what happens. I um, hope it's the downfall of Rudy Gobert, at least. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I love I think, Jordan Clarkson. Dude, yeah, I just need – well, that's the thing. is like I just need Jordan Clarkson to go somewhere else so I can root for him because I don't want to root for right. him as a, a, a Jazz member. Same thing with uh, – uh, Bogdanovich Donovan as well. Mitchell. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Donovan, Donovan Mitchell's fine. He's hurt me too many times. He's hurt me too many times. <laughs> them, uh, them bubble games, dog. Them bubble games between him and the Nuggets, him and Jamal Murray were going the fuck off. Bro, it's a, it's a real like rivalry between the Nuggets and the Jazz. That's a, it's a fun right. matchup to watch every single time for sure, especially with uh, Jamal and Spider out there. Absolutely. Um, uh, but, now, oh, go ahead. the Grizz and the Timberwolves. Oh, no, I just wanted to say real quick, uh, I love Anthony Edwards so fucking much. Like, um, is this game on right now? If this game's on right now while we're doing this pod, I'm going to be pissed because I want to watch this game so bad. Um, it's, it's pretty close, I think. Oh, nice. Well, either way. Um, yeah, I love Anthony Edwards. Love the swag. Um, who's up right now? Grizz up 2-1? Grizz up 2-1, yep. Yeah, so – um yeah, I think Grizz probably still ended up taking it, but this is gonna be the beginning of an era in Minnesota. And I don't know why I ran into like the Minnesota Timberwolves. I guess I just want them to be good. But um yeah, Anthony Edwards, Cat, you know, D loading. Um I just it's just all gonna work. Like I just I just think it's all gonna work. It's finally gonna work. It's finally gonna work. Yeah, no, I agree. And I I do think like 
when we were talking about in the preview about a playoff experience, I thought the Grizzlies were going to be the one to kind of crumble under that. But to be honest with you, it's kind of been the Timberwolves so far. Um, I can't remember if it was game two or three, but the Timberwolves had a pretty bad, um, uh, like they choked it. They were uh, up by like 20 points or something like that. And then let the Grizzlies come back. And um, they're up 20 points twice. Wow. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's so not uh, the cleanest games for sure. Um, And I do think the Timberwolves will find their stride. Uh, They have a young core relatively young core i mean anthony edwards is only getting um you know i mean he's like he's only getting better he's got a long way to go growth wise i think cat is sure like what 22. he is yeah, yeah i mean cat, he's super cat is what he is. yeah um and then i mean delo he's not old either but he's kind of he's still progressing and he's actually uh made a really nice defensive jump in his game this year so he's still getting better as well um so I, I think that they'll come with back with a vengeance next year. Um, but I, I kind of think the Grizzlies take this series and they have more um, like they look better in the playoffs than I thought they would. I would be interested to see what happens when they face. I, I like kind of like what you're saying with the Bulls. I don't want to say the Timberwolves aren't a real team, but when they face like a established contender, I would like to see what that looks like for them, um, which uh, as we were about to get to with our next series, and I'm looking at the bracket here, uh, they will be playing the winner of the Denver Golden State series, which we all know who that is. Yeah, so, Nuggets again. Fucked up. Bro. It's embarrassing. Bro, Dude, to say know, the least, I, I mean, I couldn't uh, legitimately, I have not been able to finish the second and third games. I turned them, and I don't do that very often. I'm not like, I usually watch the game all the way through, even if we're losing pretty badly, just because I like watching my nuggets, but I couldn't even finish them because it's so embarrassing. And the thing is, is I knew exactly what was going to happen before it even started. I mean, we talked about it in our uh, preview. I knew that our guard defense and lack thereof was going to let the Golden State Warriors just destroy us. And sure enough, every single game, Steph, Clay, and specifically Poole, who everyone's been talking about, and they're like, he's a superstar now. And I'm like, <laughs> I, it kills me because, like, I love him. And I, I'm, I'm a fan of Jordan Poole. I like Stephen Curry. I'm a fan of Jordan Poole. I like Clay. Clay's one of my favorite players in the league because I really like him as a person. But, like, it's like just, oh, uh, like, this is why I don't like the Warriors because they do this to teams. And, unfortunately, the Nuggets are uh, receiving it right now. And there's nothing we can do about it because we're just injured and we just don't have the roster to compete. And uh, in game three, like, they gave it everything that they could and kept the game competitive until the fourth quarter. And then – like Steph came out for like the last five minutes and put up a five point lead in the last two minutes. And then we were done. It was just yeah, like that. Steph, and it's like, Steph, it was just with no effort. Like bro, just like crawled off the bench with like half energy. You know what I mean? He's like, bro, I just want to go home. And he just throws up a couple threes and then we're done. And meanwhile, like all, all the nuggets are like just playing their hearts out. And I'm like, Oh, good God. It's, this is why we people no. think the nuggets are a joke. 
honestly. Um, like, well, and it, it, it low-key is kind of sad because I do agree with you that if the Nuggets had M- M- MPJ, a little less on MPJ, but mostly Jamal Murray, like if yeah. they had Jamal Murray, like it would be nice. And Michael Porter Jr. puts up some points for him when they need him, um, you know, and he's at least another option. But, yeah, Jamal Murray is definitely missing in that Nuggets lineup. And we'll just get him next year, boys. That's all I can say. We'll just get him next yeah. year. Um, well, and, yeah, it's – I mean, I could go on ranting about this series for, like, an hour. But it's just, like – it's just disheartening because as a Nuggets fan who's watched this team the entire year and knows what the issues with the roster are, and then we got, like, the worst possible playoff matchup. It's like, and then I knew exactly how it was going to go down. And then to watch the general reaction, everybody else, and they're like using it to discredit Jokic in his MVP season. And I'm like, we knew this was going to happen. Like, it's just, it just sucks. It just sucks to see it happen. Sucks to like have to suffer through it. And we still have to watch one more game. But it's like, <laughs> I don't even want to watch it. Like, cause you just know what's going to happen. Like, I just, just get the yeah. broom out. Just get the broom out. Get the broom out. Bro. Get the broom like, can, out, dog. I, don't, right. I don't even want to say it, but can we just like throw in the towel now so I just don't even have to watch the fourth game? He's already just, dead. He's already dead. <laughs> Stop killing. He's already dead. He's uh, already dead. No, and okay. Um, if I can add one more thing too, just, just to get off my chest, because Twitter people have been killing me with this, is like the players that we're having to play as starting players because of injuries, like they're, they would be much better with those other stars back too. I don't think, I think that's what people don't understand is like, they're like pointing out how terribly awful the Nuggets roster is. And it's like, yes, we do have holes, but it's not even necessarily that we have an awful roster. It's that we're playing bench players as starters. And so then our bench players are the non-actives, like what would have been normally non-actives. And it's like, and you're expecting them to defend Stephen Curry coming off the bench and Jordan Poole as the primary, like, it's just, yeah. It just, yeah, it just kills me. It's Exactly. It's crazy. Yeah. And, it's, it's, go ahead. No, I was just going to say um, the the next series, the Suns and the Pelicans, um, I watched this game last night, and, boy, I I loved every second of it. The Pelicans really put up a fight, dude. Like, I'm yeah. not going to say that C.J. McCollum is, like, a stud, but C.J. McCollum might be a stud. Like, he was really good in Portland. I'm not discrediting him at all. I love CJ McCollum. I'm not saying he's not a stud, but like, I didn't think he was that guy. But trust me, pal, he might be that guy. Like, he might right. be that guy. Him paired up with Brandon Ingram. Um, and if Zion ever loses some weight and comes back and plays basketball, Ryan, do you remember when Zion got drafted and I told you that this was going to happen to Zion and I like predicted this? You remember this? We were in the truck together and I was yeah. like, the thing that worries me about Zion is he's going to get hurt and he's going to get big. And yeah. he got hurt and he got big. So yep. that's all. And that's if he comes back and I want him to come back because he's a young man, got drafted number one overall. I love his potential. I want him to come back healthy, whatever. I get it. But if he comes back healthy with CJ McCollum and Brandon Ingram, Falcons could be trouble. I'm just saying, dude. Yeah. Like 
they look really good there. And like I get that um, Devin Booker didn't play last night, and I don't know how long Devin Booker's going to be out with his hamstring. But like, and Chris Paul stepped the fuck up, so did DeAndre Anton. But um, like, ultimately, like the Pelicans really were like playing their ass off. Uh, I think at one point the Pelicans were down 15 points and came back on a 12-0 run. Like it was the Pel- like the Pelicans were playing their ass off last night. Brandon Ingram's been great this whole series. Yeah. No, I, I totally agree. And CJ, it's been kind of interesting because for me, the realization has almost been like when he was in Portland, he wasn't able to be that guy because Dame was that guy. You know what I mean? Dame, he just Dame didn't have the space guy. for that. Dame is that guy. And yeah, and so now he comes to a Pelicans team where, yes, you have stars, you have a Zion who's not there, but you have uh, Brandon Ingram, who is a legitimate, like, blossoming star in this league. But he does not have that established aura and he doesn't have like the veteran presence. You know what I mean? Like CJ low key almost, you know, not to the same extent because the Suns had a uh, more put together roster than the Pelicans do at the moment when um, Chris Paul came through, but the CJ coming to the Pelicans almost reminds me of Chris Paul coming to the Suns in the sense that it gave them, that veteran, like that real star veteran that they can look up to and be led by, you know what I mean? They kind of, right. they can, they can uh, just follow like, cause you got a, a bunch of young talented guys on that roster and not a whole lot of direction going on um, with the Pelicans. And then all of a sudden you see CJ come in, he knows what the hell he's doing. He's been on teams that may have made playoff rosters. Um, and to your point, finally had a chance to kind of show off that he's that guy. Um, and yeah, it's been really cool to see, uh, you know, I mean, again, like we talked about in the, the preview, I don't expect the Pelicans to legitimately put up a, um, like a seven game series, but the fact that they've won one game and made it as hard as it has been for the Suns, even with Devin Booker, um, but especially with him out now. Uh, yeah. It's awesome to see for the Pelicans for sure. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's that was, it was really a truly entertaining game last night. And yeah, dude. I mean, I was a kind of a big believer in Brandon Ingram, regardless. And I really didn't want the Lakers to trade him. Um, but ultimately, it is what it is. And like now, you look at that trade, and you're like, "Fuck the things I would do to make that trade not happen." And I'm sorry because I know Anthony Davis was a big part of our 2020 championship run. I'm really sorry to say it as a Lakers fan, but like fucking Brandon, Brandon Egram looking real nice right now. Like right? real, real nice, real, real nice. Maybe yeah. you want to go like Loki, get a Brandon Egram jersey. Might have to cop one actually, can't even front. Uh, especially if they make the series any more competitive, you know, because it's been really nice, dude. It's been, it was a really interesting game last night. Yeah, no, I, I absolutely agree. Um, Brandon Ingram, I, I've really liked him since he came in the league, but it, it took him a while to start to uh, reach his potential. And I feel like he's kind of starting to get there now, uh, but really he's still got room to grow. So, yeah, I mean, once Zion gets back, if he can manage to get healthy uh, and be able to play for a legitimate, you know, period of time without getting injured again, uh, their Pelicans become a real, a real threat for sure. 
Um, but yeah, yeah. I mean, these playoffs have just been absurd so far outside of, I would say really as much as I hate to say it, like the bucks and the bulls and then the warriors and the nuggets, they've all been pretty competitive. Um, and even the bulls put up more of a fight than the nuggets did, unfortunately, but yeah, it's just, yeah, it, it, there's a lot of, uh, talented teams in this playoffs and they are going at it right now for sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, I suppose that's going to do us for today. Thank you everyone for listening. This has been the mile high flight show and we'll see you guys next week. Bye guys. Thanks.